Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Thursday, January 5th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Missouri is the first state to execute an openly transgender person. But attorneys for Amber McLaughlin believed that should not have been a factor, especially in the courtroom. Particularly in the death penalty appeal phase, they felt that there was enough issues with the 2006 trial that totally had nothing to do with Amber's gender identity. We will hear from a reporter who observed McLaughlin's execution for the 2003 murder of Beverly Gunther in just a few minutes. The 2023 Missouri legislative session is entering its second day, and lawmakers already have a long list of goals they hope to accomplish by May. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports. On the first day of session, lawmakers voted on leadership, including electing a new Speaker of the House, Dean Plocker, and Senate President Pro Tem Caleb Rowden. The legislation won't start moving until committees are established. Lawmakers have already filed more than 1,000 bills between the House and Senate. House Democrats have already filed multiple bills containing gun control measures. While Plocker said there are bills filed on gun control every year, House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid spoke on the impact of the October school shooting at Central Visual and Performing Arts High School in St. Louis. You know, I would hope that when children die in our public schools, that it would change the tone of a conversation. Quaid said she isn't sure if the school shooting will be enough to bring change to Missouri's gun laws. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. U.S. Representative Mike Bost of Illinois says he plans to keep supporting Kevin McCarthy in his bid for House Speaker despite several failed votes. The Republican from Illinois' 12th District says he's trying to convince others to reach a consensus on McCarthy. Bost says he's reached out to fellow Republican Representative Mary Miller. She's from the state's 15th district and has voted for other candidates. She's very strong in opposition. I understand that former President Trump may have even reached out to her, and uh, she hasn't changed that position yet. I hope she does. Bost says a handful of the Republican Party's 221 members should not be able to dictate who is Speaker. He's looking forward to his work as the ranking member of the House Veteran Affairs Committee, once a speaker is elected. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker is confident a new law banning cash bail will be upheld by the state's Supreme Court. A Kankakee County judge has ruled the provision in the Safety Act unconstitutional. Illinois' Attorney General is appealing. Pritzker believes the clause will stand. I am comfortable and confident that this is constitutional. The Illinois Supreme Court has temporarily blocked the cash bail law from taking effect but vows to expedite the attorney general's appeal. A national health care think tank is reporting more than a third of Missouri's rural hospitals are at risk of closing. The Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform's analysis of hospital information suggests 20 of Missouri's rural hospitals could shut down with two of them posing an immediate risk. The center does not release the specific names of at-risk hospitals because the information is more than a year old. The organization also does not want to label a hospital in jeopardy while it's trying to improve its finances. The center is also reporting 18 percent of rural hospitals in Illinois are at risk of closing. Research from the University of Missouri-St. Louis examines how businesses in the region responded to supply chain disruptions from the pandemic. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmid reports the findings suggest collaboration and communication were critical parts of most adjustments. 
When the pandemic hit in 2020, raw materials cost more, and there were significant shipping disruptions, which made planning and coordinating the supply chain more difficult. Researchers in UMSL's Supply Chain Risk and Resilience Research Institute wanted to know the ways companies weathered these challenges. Matthias Enns is a professor in UMSL's Department of Supply Chain Analytics. The company's most effective strategy, and the one that they had less challenges and the one that they most implemented, was collaborating within their firms and also with customers and suppliers. Enns says these strategies were also the easiest for companies to implement. He says a preliminary version of the research was published late last year, while they put together a more formal research paper. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. Missouri carried out its first execution of 2023 this week, Amber McLaughlin was put to death for the 2003 murder of ex-girlfriend Beverly Gunther. I spoke with Riverfront Times staff writer Ryan Kroll, who was one of the execution observers. He says three groups were ushered into a section of the state prison in Bonterre shortly before the death sentence was carried out. There's a group of individuals there um, on behalf of the victim. There's a group of individuals who are invited there by the individual who's being executed. And then there's a group of individuals who are a mix of media and official state witnesses. So these three groups of folks are kept segregated throughout the whole process. At a certain time, they're brought into these viewing rooms adjacent to the execution chamber. At some point, a curtain is pulled back. The lethal dose of, in this case, pentobarbital is uh, injected into the individual being executed. And the three groups observe then what happens for the next five, six, or seven minutes. What did you witness in those five or seven minutes? There was Amber. You know, she was laying in a sort of hospital-like bed with a white linen over her. She was in close, I guess, contact, you would say, with her spiritual advisor. You couldn't hear what was being said, but it was very clear the spiritual advisor was praying or speaking or perhaps even singing to her. In those final moments, at some point, Amber did take a few labored breaths, and then it was clear that she she passed away pretty soon thereafter. And the spiritual advisor kept, um, you know, saying prayers or or, or singing, speaking with Amber, presumably something along the lines of like a last rite being given to her. Was there activity outside the prison? There was, you know, a fairly sizable demonstration of about 50 individuals there. Um, supporting Amber, protesting the death penalty, or some combination of the two. I know they were on the grounds, but uh, they weren't apparents for my parking and going in. And I suspect they they wouldn't have been seen by the majority of individuals who were there to to witness the execution on either the state's Amber's or the or the victim Beverly Gunther's behalf. A lot has been made about this being the first transgender person in the U.S. to be executed. As somebody who has been covering this and following this, does that really matter? How do you put that into perspective? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's, it's kind of a tough thing because on the one hand, Amber's legal team and supporters, friends, they were all adamant that uh, her gender identity really shouldn't affect the way her case moved through the legal system, particularly in the death penalty appeal phase. They felt that there was enough issues with the 2006 trial that were totally had nothing to do with, with Amber's um, gender identity. On the other hand, though, I mean, it's correct that just 
in a sort of, I guess, newsy sense or a sense of public interest, any one of these firsts is going to have more attention paid to it than otherwise would be the case. Take me through the details about how we got to yesterday. This all starts basically 20 years ago in 2003 when McLaughlin had been in a relationship with a 45-year-old woman named Beverly Gunther. That relationship soured. Gunther broke it off with McLaughlin, but then McLaughlin was stalking and harassing Gunther. McLaughlin even burglarized Gunther's home. Eventually, Gunther got a restraining order. And on the day before McLaughlin was due in court on stalking and harassment charges, Beverly Gunther was coming out of her workplace in Earth City, Missouri, and McLaughlin abducted her, stabbed her, killed her. It's important not to forget who Beverly Gunther was in this case. By all accounts, she was a great woman. Her younger brother told me that you know she was the best sister anyone could have ever asked for. In her life, she had a relationship with one of her grandchildren. And if she had remained alive to this day, she would have had several more grandchildren. She was a mother, a grandmother, you know, a sister, a daughter. She was a really important person, I think, to a, to a lot of folks. And she grew up in the kind of North County, Jennings, St. Anne area. That's Riverfront Times staff writer Ryan Krull speaking about this week's execution in Bonterre. Our Jonathan All edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.